What's up everybody? I'm Kyle, he's Derek, and this is the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Whether you're listening in your car, your living room, the shower, whatever it is that you're doing, we're glad you're listening with us. You know, there are there are probably some locations that I'd rather they not listen to us, and the shower might be on that list. But I really wish we could get a video camera nope, in here for. Nope. No, okay, oh, okay. okay, hold on, hold, <laughs> hold on. Okay, <laughs> what's on your mind here, Kyle? You started it. You know, a lot of like the big podcasts will have like a live video just to capture like the reactions, and I really wish we could implement that here because when I say something that I know like you don't love, just watching you sit over there and shake your head is something that the audience really needs to be a part of because it is a treat. My facial reaction a couple weeks ago when Derek said, is the juice worth the squeeze will forever live uh, in... I guess I didn't get to see my reaction, but no, it'll, it'll it was live epic. in your head. It was epic. Uh, oh, my goodness. But, hey, today we have a really, really fun topic. Uh, probably going to be two episodes here because we're just too passionate. Yeah. And, uh, and there's too much to talk about. But today uh, we've been teasing uh, these episodes for a couple weeks now, but we are going to dive in to mission teams, uh, how to do mission teams well, how to not do mission teams well. And um, what is a mission team? And what is a missions team? Exactly. And so our quick question today on theme, on point, Derek, what are some of the mission teams that you've been a part of and which one was your favorite? So as a student, I've been a part of two. One of them was a domestic trip. Well, I guess technically international, but it felt domestic down to the Baja Peninsula of Mexico. And so we went down there with Habitat of Humanity. We built a house for a family that needed it. It was really powerful, really cool just to see. We rolled up on a Tuesday with a big cement slab and a bunch of lumber. And by Friday, we were letting the keys uh, of the house be sent to the family. And it was just so cool to see that. Uh, The other mission trip I was a part of as a student was we did a a more of a local trip down to Stillwater, helped plant a church, did some some outreach to St. Paul. That was really cool. But my favorite was the one we just did this summer where I was a youth pastor leading the trip down to the Dream Center in Phoenix where we did a lot of anti-human trafficking stuff, a lot of service projects. And it was hands down the coolest experience I've had as a youth pastor, probably as like a believer in general, just that week, it was the best week ever. I love Hands it. down. Yeah, I I should have counted before right now. Um, but when, when I was in high school, I was on three. Uh, we went uh, a week in Toronto and a week in New York City, which was the longest and most grueling missions experience I've ever been a part of. Uh, did I, you eat the pizza when you were there? I did. It was delicious. Yes, I actually, I ate... We went to a restaurant and I ordered like a fish and it was like the whole fish. Yep. Like eyeball and everything. It was awesome. Um, So I went on that one. Uh, We went down to the Dominican Republic uh, and and partnered with a church down there. Did one in Colorado. Uh, And then I've led two to Puerto Rico, one to Panama, one locally here in Minnesota, one down in Iowa. that's it. And Costa Rica. That's it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kyle's a bit teams. of an expert in this area. Oh Don't label me that yet. Uh, but there's there's a lot to mission teams, and uh, you know, for for a youth pastor who or a youth leader, if if you want to do a mission team but you've never done one before, 
Uh, there can be a lot to it. It can be really daunting to try and take that on. And so we are here uh, today to help ease the pain. Yes. Uh, it, I'm not going to say at all that it won't be painful because there are going to be random things that pop up that you're like, oh my gosh, why did I sign up for this? But Kyle, I need to tell you something. What's all right? that, Derek? Mission trips, the juice is worth the squeeze oh, with mission trips. Be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> I walked right into that one. You did. You did. You're welcome. Oh boy. All right. So the first question that we're gonna ask is why do mission teams in the first place? And honestly, why not? I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. a dumb way to answer the question. But uh, you know, there's there's this thing. Not actually, not a lot of people know about it in the Bible. It's called the Great Commission, mm. and yeah, not many people. <laughs> uh, and and the, I mean, Jesus's commands were to go throughout the entire world. Now, for some people, that is a short-term missions team. For some people, that is long-term missionary service. For some people, it's you know somewhere in between. For some people, it's, hey, I, I, for whatever reason in this season of my life, I can't go, but I can give. For some people, I, you know, I'm called to just be an absolute prayer warrior mm-hmm. when it comes to missions teams. Uh, but for, for our students in particular, and this is something that Derek and I have talked about a lot, is the combination of the life change that, that we see in students combined with the impact that we see students make in others for the kingdom of God is absolutely unparalleled yep. in, in youth ministry when it comes to missions teams. And there are, I mean, the, the life change that we see in students or, or the impact that they make uh, in, for the kingdom of God, those alone might be enough to, you know, for me to sign up for doing a missions team. But when they combine, it is really powerful. What I love about mission teams specifically, as opposed to an experience like camp or a youth convention or something of that nature, the impact, I feel like, extends far beyond that event. Like, I mean, we obviously just went this summer, but what's been so fun to see is because of the nature of the trip we went on, we went on this particular trip down to Phoenix with like three other churches from different youth groups, different pastors, all that stuff. But I have seen like Instagram stories and snaps of like my students voluntarily hanging out with kids they went on the trip with, like outside of an organized event, purely because they had such a good connection with them. Like they, they literally, the, the connectedness, the fellowship piece of that was so good that they are now hanging out outside of an organized mission trip team they're just hanging out because they developed such a deep bond in that trip. And that was just that was just purely for my students. That's not the impact we made on the, on the Dream Center, on the people that we went a part of. There is just the fruit that you see is not just immediate. It's something that continues to grow and mature and reproduce itself time and time again because of that specific missions team. Absolutely. And the you know, I I've, I've seen so many students uh you know, grow stronger in their faith uh personally i've seen life change happen they're they're a different person when they come back <laughs> in a good way yep uh you know where they and and sometimes it's that it's almost just that culture shock piece is enough yeah. like oh my gosh i have it so easy yep you know with with my family or where i'm from or or the culture around me uh and so there's there's so many different reasons 
outside of outside of that, I mean, Jesus commanded us like, why would you not want to go spread yeah. the gospel right uh, to people? Why would you not want to partner? with different missionaries or ministries throughout your state, throughout the country, throughout the world that are doing awesome things for the kingdom of God. So I I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, But there are a lot of ways to do missions well. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of ways how not to do missions well, Derek. So true. Being the podcast How Not to Be a Youth Pastor – I thought it'd be appropriate for us to dive in a little bit to yeah. uh, how not to do missions teams. There is a bit that John Christ, a Christian comedian, did a while back where he made fun of mission teams going through an airport. So it's like neon shirts, yep. like, the, like the big wicker hats, like just <laughs> it, it is hilarious. So we, we ought to find a link of that and, and put it somewhere. Put it, it in the show notes fun. or something. Yeah, cause... exactly. It's hilarious. Yes, I uh, we'll we'll talk about those neon shirts later. How's yes, that sound? Perfect. Um so the first big no-no for me when it comes to missions teams is uh don't design your missions team to be a vacation. Uh you know, uh, like I said before, a little culture shock can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when we I mentioned we did two Puerto Rico missions teams a few years ago and they when we were in puerto rico we were staying in you know all of the guys were in one room all the girls were in another room and it was bunk beds it was no air conditioning it was june or july in puerto rico it was cold so it's not cold at all (laughs) and it's i mean it's not the most comfortable conditions ever i had uh, years ago, when I first started, I had I, we were launching one of our first missions teams, or maybe we had just gotten back from our first one that we did here at this church, and I had an adult come up to me after our missions team had shared on a Sunday morning, and, and she said, hey, if you ever need an adult to help out and to chaperone, because we'll talk about that later too, that's yep. very important, yep. <laughs> you need those, uh, if you ever need somebody, let me know, because I'd absolutely love to help. And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll keep you in mind. And she said, yes. You know, the only thing is, you know, I would want it to be in a tropical location. Nice. And, and nice. I, in my head, I don't remember what I said out loud. Not this. But in my head, I'm thinking, wow, you have no idea mm-hmm. what you are signing mm-hmm. up for. So, yeah, I needless to say, I did not ask her um, to be It's probably a <laughs> wise a choice. Yep. But the other thing that I struggle with uh, when it comes to, because I've seen, you know, plenty of of churches and youth ministries and various people design missions teams that look a lot like vacations. And just morally, I have a really hard time asking people to give money so that I can go relax on a beach for a week. Uh, You know, when it comes to raising money for this missions team, if I'm just going to pay for it all myself, then that might be one thing. But, I, yeah, I just, I don't know about that. Well, and you have to ask yourself, if that's your motive, then... How about wh- you just go on go a vacation? Go on a vacation. Yeah. You're right. Like, like, why call it a mission team? Because, one, you're just, you're making yourself look bad, straight mm-hmm. up. But you're really tainting the heart of why mission teams are important. Because right. they are important. We have something to offer, and I, I, I love what we're going to talk about here in a second. I'm looking at, at our notes here. Uh, but... It's okay to go somewhere that is quote unquote nice. Like I think of like mission trips to Jamaica mm-hmm. to a person who is 
like just looking like they think of Jamaica, they think of the resorts, they think of all of that. It's not bad to go to places like that, but don't go into it with the mindset of I'm looking forward to being down there and relaxing and being on the beach. Go down there looking. I'm looking forward to serving the people of Jamaica like that. That is the heartbeat of what a mission team is is created and assembled for. Right, and you don't have to stay in a tent out in the elements in right. order to serve Christ. Right, uh, outside of your own home, uh, you know. I I think I think the point here is, you know, don't say that you're going to do a seven day mission team uh, to, I don't know, Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And you go down there and you serve one three-hour shift at a food bank or a homeless shelter, and then you sit at a four-star, five-star resort for the other six days. Yep, right, (laughs) right. Um, Another thing that that can be a really big pitfall to mission teams is when teams go in with, uh, with a savior complex. Uh, which can be really, really dangerous, right? They're parachuting in uh, as a team. They do something and then they leave. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, is really, really important to me when we are designing missions teams for our students is that there needs to be a lasting relationship uh, on the ground. You know, we're partnering with somebody who is already there and they will be there long after we're gone. We're not just you know, going to parachute in, do something, build something, whatever it is, and then leave right away. The Great Commission says to make disciples, right? Not and that converts. is not a microwaved process. No. And so when you go to serve a missionary or to, or to go on a missions team, you are in essence looking for, in a, like you're, you're, you're looking to assist somebody who's actually there, who is putting in that time of yep. making those disciples, right? Because you can't, you can't reasonably understand and assume that you can make a disciple in seven days. It just, it just won't happen. You can have a really good encounter, a really good experience that might change your life forever, but you need to be able to put tools and, and assistance into the hands of those who are doing the hard lasting work of actually making the disciples in those locations. Absolutely. And that kind of goes really well into, our, you know, the last big thing here on how not to do missions is go somewhere you're needed. Uh, you know, like Derek said, or or even I have said in the past, like going to Jamaica or, or another Caribbean country for a missions team sounds really, really good. But if if you're not actually partnering well with uh, an established ministry, you're going to wind up being the third missions team to paint the same wall that summer because they keep having missions teams wanting to come and partner with them, but they don't know what to do with them because the missions teams don't come in with the right heart or the right expectations. I think it's fair to say that to some regard, location and distance are irrelevant if you're going into it with the perspective of I'm wanting to serve. Because one mm-hmm. of the one of the yep. caveats, one of the pushbacks we get as youth pastors is why do you have to fly all the way across the country when there are people here in Minneapolis who need you just as bad? It's a fair point, right? But at the same time, there are people around the world who also need help. Like it's not mm-hmm. as like we don't have a corner on like we can only help people in Minneapolis. And so I think the whole point with this is go somewhere where as Kyle said, you are needed, where you can reasonably add value to something you're doing. You're not just going there to just fulfill a task and feel better about yourself. I find so many 
trips are done like we're gonna go down there get some cool pictures of us painting a wall right, or, yep. or, or with that orphan kid to make it look like hey look we're doing something awesome like we're polishing the outside of the cup yep. jesus talked about this like don't just polish the outside of the cup while the inside wastes away like go and do something worthwhile mm-hmm. so that you're actually making your money your time your investment something that's lasting yep and it all boils down to doing ministry to versus doing ministry with if you sign up for a missions team and you're just going to go do ministry to somebody that's that parachute in parachute out savior complex mentality versus going and partnering with somebody to do ministry uh that's that's the that's where you have to start when you are designing a missions team and if you haven't picked up on it already i do want to just kind of mention uh you know i very intentionally use missions team to describe this instead of a missions trip. And there's a couple reasons for that, but the biggest one is that a mission trip implies that it starts when you leave and it ends when you return. I thought that's all that it was. That's... (laughs) (laughs) You're fired. Thank you. Um, But missions teams should be so much more than that. You know, we, for us we usually send out our teams in June and July. And yep. so, and we sign up in November and December. And so that's six or seven months to be praying for, you know, the organizations you're going to be working with, the people that you're going to be ministering with and the people that you're going to be ministering to the developing uh, your team, working right. with your team, developing those friendships. Like it's, it's so much more than just you show up on a Monday and you get back on a Sunday. It right. is, you are putting in some time, some prayer, some investment financially and time-wise to this team. Mm-hmm. It's not just a trip. It's a experience with and this team. And it doesn't have to end as soon as you get back. Correct. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later as well. But when you are planning a missions team, where in the world do you start? I think that's a fair question because you've been... You've been here for five years, six yep. years-ish, somewhere in that area. Sure. I, know, I know we talked about it. <laughs> and you've obviously done a lot of missions trips, right? Or missions teams. There it is. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I got a squirt gun, and I'm going to hit Derek with it every goes single Goes back time. to that video camera thing. We, we, we need some <laughs> live feeds here. But, you know, I, I'm in my fourth year, and this is our first trip because right. I was so hesitant to jump into one. One, because where do you start? It's a very daunting task. And two, there is this myth or this lie that – I don't have enough kids I would want to go. And so you start to understand or you start to believe this lie of I need to have a minimum of eight kids, nine kids, ten kids, whatever it is. You feel like you need to have this minimum, otherwise it's not worth it. And the reality is it's just that's just not true. Like like the you gotta start somewhere. Right. Absolutely. Your your mission teams have only grown bigger as you've done more. Mm -hmm. Right. But like you wouldn't forsake that first one you ever did because that was the that was a catalyst to where you are now. And so right. when it comes to starting, like, where do you even begin? Kyle is a very knowledgeable source. And we're going to unpack this. And so he he does this differently than I do. He, he Kyle pioneers his own trips, and he's really mm-hmm. good about that. He's very administrative. Uh, but someone like me, who I was looking to just jump into a trip and, and start somewhere because I didn't know where to start, there are some really good organizations who will really partner with you 
to get you started. So we went through Minnesota AIM, which stands for Ambassadors in Mission, and that's an important distinction because you tried to do I an, was going to talk about that. Okay, good. Yep. good. Kyle tried to do an AIM trip at one point, but it was a different AIM, which is just hilarious to me. <laughs> but uh, with, with how we did it, is I talked to, uh, his name is Bobby Lokanen, and he basically said, like, here are the trips we're planning. You organize it on your side of the thing. You pay me, and then I work with the missionaries. I work with the people who you're going to minister with. Like, he organizes the plane tickets. He organizes the meals. He organizes his lodging. He does all of that stuff. So all I need to organize on my end is who's coming, have they paid, do they have their paperwork, and then that that's it that's it for me right and so there are merits that if you're not administrative if you're not organized i'm not saying i'm not those things but for me when i just wanted to get my feet what i just wanted to get us on a trip that was a much easier obstacle to to mount than just completely planning my own trip which is what kyle really is right and good at how many students from your church went on that mexico trip on the mexico trip yeah uh 25 from your church oh from my when i was a student no no no. sorry uh phoenix Phoenix, yep not mexico we were supposed to have eight but we lost half of them to uh spring sports because covid yeah covid related yeah we literally had eight signed up paid all that was good stuff but then because of covid it bumped back the state competition was so i lost half of them so but we had four right and you know doing a you know as a as a youth pastor as a youth leader Doing a missions team with four kids is not unheard of. No, you know you could do that, but you know if you if you have a smaller number of students interested, or or just a smaller number of students in general, like having other churches that you can partner with, like Derek said, for that Phoenix trip, it was more than just his church that were a part of it, and that was one of the benefits of going through you know Minnesota Aim and Bobby Lokanen. Uh, you know, we can, if anybody's interested, let us know. We'll get you his contact info. But he, one of one of the benefits of doing those kind of exp- of of missions teams through an organization like this is it'll partner you with other churches to build out a a whole team experience, and then that uh, opens relationships amongst your students uh, to connect with students from other churches. And I would never forsake. Um to rob the experience and the life change that happened in those four students would be unthinkable to Mm -hmm. me. And so to not do a trip purely because you don't think you have enough people is like a lie of the enemy. Because Mm -hmm. the reality is we had four students, but those four students came back with a fire in their belly, with a desire to serve and love God. Like I have never seen before. They've, they've established friendships with other kids of other churches. They are on fire. They are like, those four students are like the four that are sticking out to me as we're getting ready for another school year. Those four are hungry. They're getting Mm -hmm. into the word. They're ready to go after God with all that they are. And so to think of not letting them have that experience, not having the fruit of that because it didn't seem worth it. Like if you're in that stage where you're like, but I only have four kids, that's four kids. Right. That, uh, oh, yeah. only, even if you only had one or two, like it is so worth it that you need to figure out a way to get them on a trip because it will change their life. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there, you know, the two biggest places to begin are, you know, do I want to partner with kind of that third party organization that can help me make connections uh, which is a great place to start if you don't have the connections, yep. right? You, those, those are kind of necessary. Uh, or do I want to organize uh, this team myself? And, and that's where, you know, I, 
the the first missions team that I did as a youth pastor, I went through a third party organization. As Derek alluded to, uh, it did not go well. Uh, not because the organization itself was just awful, but because I found out very quickly that there are four different uh, American organizations that do youth that that organize youth missions teams with the acronym AIM AIM. And Minnesota AIM with Bobby Lokanen was the one that Derek has gone through. That was the one that I was intending to go through. Uh, I found out very... And that was Ambassadors in Missions, right? Yeah. There is another organization, AIM, which is uh, Adventures in Missions. Sure. I know that there's a third that's like African Inland Missions, and there's a fourth. I don't remember what they're AOL Instant is. Messenger. Probably. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we just dated ourselves right there. Uh, you did. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, uh, you do. Also, the wrong letters, Derek. Come on. AOL is not AIM. No, AOL Instant Messenger was AIM. Oh, like, like, I see like, what like you're when we, when I, I, just, was in I just heard the AOL. No, no, not quite. No. Anyways, I'm Anyways. track. Uh, and so, yeah, we. I thought we were signing up with Minnesota AIM, and we were actually signing up with uh, Adventures and Missions. It wound up being a great trip, but it was uh, It was one of those things that I was like, wow, that that was not my brightest moment as yeah. a youth pastor. Uh, but we, we brought all of the kids back. So that's, that's what's important. Uh, <laughs> Rule number one, bring all the kids bring back. Bring all the kids back. Preferably in one piece. Yes, absolutely. Um, but if you are actually, whether or not you are uh, going to be organizing it yourself, you know, the other really big question you need to start with is uh, who do I want to partner with? And, and how, do I, how do I go about that? Like I said before, I always want to look for somebody who is established uh, as a ministry, somebody who is already there long before our team gets there, and they are going to be there long after we leave. Uh, like Derek said, that discipleship piece, uh, that's not a microwavable process, and you need to be partnering with somebody who's already on the ground. And so some questions you might want to ask is, you know, do they have the values uh, that you have? Do their values need to align perfectly with all of yours? I would argue no. On that one, uh, you know, our church, the church that I work at, is affiliated with the Assemblies of God denomination. Not every ministry that we have partnered with, at, uh, with our missions teams, has been affiliated with the Assemblies of God. Are they Christian? Absolutely. Do they check all the big boxes? Absolutely. That's what I'm looking for. They don't have to necessarily be, you know, your denomination and have every single value the exact same as yours. Uh, you know, how far do you want to go uh, is another great question. And, and how much kind of related to that is how much do you want each student to need to raise financially in order to make this team happen? I've got uh, three different benchmarks for that that I, I always adhere to when it comes to our missions teams that we do. Uh, you know, there's three different kind of categories for me. There's regional trips. And so for us, being in Minnesota, being uh, in the greater Twin Cities area, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, maybe North and South Dakota, that's going to be my regional sphere. Uh, domestic teams would be anywhere else in the continental United States. And then international is... <laughs> International. international. I know that one's that one's really hard to wrap your mind around. But for me, I will 
never charge more than like seven or seven fifty for a regional trip. And realistically, uh, you could bring that down depending on the trip. Oh, absolutely. Like that's high. Seven fifty. Seven fifty is really high for a regional trip. Uh, I believe five fifty was uh, was the last one that we did, if I yeah. remember correctly. Maybe it was seven fifty. I don't remember. Uh, for the domestic teams, I try to keep it under that eleven hundred range. And then for the international teams, it's two thousand. Uh, that that I try my hardest to keep uh, what the, whatever the target is for each student to have to raise in order to go. I want to keep it under those three benchmarks, depending on uh, you know which category the uh, the team is in. And so uh, the other thing that I will throw out on this really quick is that uh, at, if you are affiliated with a with a church, right, our youth ministry is a part of you know Riverdale Church here as a whole. Your church probably sponsors or supports missionaries already, and that can be a great list uh, to start with when you're looking for somebody to partner with for a missions team. Because how cool would it be to go and serve that missionary, and how mutually beneficial? Because one, you are now giving exposure to that missionary. So when your kids come back and share on a Sunday morning, here's all the cool stuff we did. Here's all the cool stuff this missionary is doing. Now your congregation feels like that's really cool. I feel more inclined to give to that. Not to mention there is that follow-up. Students going on the trip, you can, odds are that missionaries that come back and say, hey, that person that you served six months ago is now doing this or that, or we've seen this in them. And so you really kind of get to see the fruits of your labor. Absolutely. And so once you've found a ministry that you want to partner with, one of the next questions is how long is this missions team going to be? Two months. Oh, my goodness. There's some parents that are like, yes, please take my <laughs> take my kid for two months. Uh, <laughs> and if you don't want to bring them back, that's okay. Right. I typically aim for that six to 10 day window. Again, it's probably going to depend on if it's a regional, domestic, or international trip. Uh, The six day mark, five, six, seven days, that's great for those regional trips. For an international trip, you can can get a little bit up into that nine or 10 day range. Uh, We have, I have done a 10 day team and it was a little bit long. Yeah. uh, If I'm being honest, but depending on what you're doing and where you're going, uh, you know, you might need a little bit extra time with travel right on either end of it. And so I, I usually try to stay in that range. How long was your Phoenix trip? Seven, seven days. Yeah. That's usually seven, eight days is usually the sweet spot. And, and, and with that, every trip is different, but for, for us, for Phoenix, like we literally hit, hit the tarmac in Phoenix, went and dropped ourselves where we were staying and jumped into ministry right away. Yep. Not everybody does that, but there is value to that of it sets the tone right away of this is not a vacation. This is not luxury. We are here to serve. Uh, but obviously if you are flying, like I know there, there are a few aim trips that are down to places like Tanzania or Kenya. Odds are you got jet lag. You got your, your jumping multiple time zones. You might lose a day on each side purely for travel, and so it's. I think that six to ten range is allowing you to have a quality six, seven, eight days of ministry. Yep. With the buffer of travel, and I know that somebody just put two and two together while listening to this and thought 
there is absolutely no way that you're doing an international missions team to Kenya for less than $2,000 a person. And I'm here to tell you, you're right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and that for that international team, like this is my preference, but there is a fourth category, uh, regional, domestic, international. There's a fourth category that we're going to talk about here in a second that, you know, for me, a trip like that Kenya one would would probably apply to. And that's, you know, answering the question, what students should be on these missions teams that you're putting together? And there are a lot of different ways to do it. I have seen youth pastors go the route of, you know, having an application process uh, that might include writing out your testimony. It might include an interview with the youth pastor and, and only a, a select number of students are going on this missions team. The complete other end of that would be, hey, this missions team is literally open to anyone. Uh, you could also, you know, limit, it could be open to anybody, but you could limit the number of spots available. It could be open to anybody, but within a certain age range or grade range, which is where, uh, that's usually where our missions teams land. Uh, our regional trips are open to anybody, grades six through 12. Our international teams are open to just our high schoolers, 9 through 12. Uh, domestic teams can sometimes be that gray area where you can get some 8th graders uh, in those. For me, that's how, that's how I do them, you know, depending on where you're going and, and what you're going to be doing. Um, but that application process and, and maybe, you know, just juniors and seniors, that's where that, for me, that's where that fourth category of missions teams uh, lives when you're talking about like a a Kenya team a India Europe India is a great example uh, somewhere that's a little bit more intense and a little bit more committed as far as uh, going on a team goes you know that that's where it it might be the youth pastor or the youth leader and like three kids yep but that's the number of kids you like you don't want to take a team of twenty five uh, on on a team like that and so. That's that's kind of that fourth category that if you really have like some hardcore committed students that that are really, really passionate about missions and have a high capacity for it, uh, you could maybe get away with that fourth category there. That word capacity, I think, is really what boils down to what students should be on the team and where they go. As Kyle said, there's a reason why like some of those regional trips are open to anyone because that like really it's easier to control and accommodate anyone but when yep. you are when you are traveling thousands of miles away and push comes to shove and all of a sudden mom and dad aren't going to be able to just jump in a car and come get you all of a sudden now you're realizing like i'm really far from home that capacity of how they handle the stresses of a mission trip or a missions team are really what boils down to should they be on this trip because if you do it well those pressures are going to come they are going to be pushing in on them and how your student is able to respond to that is inevitably what for me is the distinguishing factor of you should be on this trip or you shouldn't. And age is a really good way to do that. Obviously we love our sixth graders, but to reasonably ask them to jump into a India trip Not or a, a Kenya trip, there's no way that, I mean, that is, they're just learning how to get into middle school, let alone travel across the country and serve somebody who's in some really messed up stuff. But there is that gray area of, we so for our phoenix trip the cutoff was 15 but i had a 14 year old who i thought was and i know is mature enough to handle 
the pressures of what yep. is going to be asked of. And so that's where you as the youth pastor, it's good to have these parameters set in place, but also lean into your discernment, lead into that Holy Spirit of just like, because you might have to pursue kids like, hey, so-and-so, this will rock your world. We need you on our team because not everyone's going to want to go on a trip. But they need to go on a trip because this will, this will you know, rock yeah, their world. Yeah, I, I tell our students every year, you know, my goal, in my own heart, my goal is that every single one of our students goes on a missions team every single year. Uh, but I know that that's not realistic. Uh, and so what I challenge our students with is uh, that my goal is that every single one of our students considers going on a missions team every single year. And there, there are going to be things that come up that like, hey, this year I can't go because of this, that, or the other thing. That's fine. I'm not going to shame a kid for never, for forever not going. But uh, we, if if you haven't been able to figure it out by now, we're we're pretty passionate about it. Right. Um. But okay. So Derek, theoretically, right? We're going to, I don't know, uh, the Dominican Republic yep. with this hypothetical missions team. We're partnering with a missionary uh, that our church supports. And so it's going to be that cool connection. Uh, we've got 14 high school students signed up and it's just you as the youth pastor as an adult. How you feel? I'm getting a plane ticket home. <laughs> we'll just send the 14 exactly. and tell them to fend for themselves. Uh, no, adults are probably uh, a good group of people to bring with you. And there's not a magic formula that I have experienced where, hey, if you have this many students going, you should have this many adults with you on this missions team. Uh, to give you just kind of a framework, the first Puerto Rico team that I led as an adult, we had 11 students and we had four adults uh, with us. I believe, if I had to guess, of those 11 students, I think nine of them, it was their first missions team. Uh, just this past year, we took a group of middle schoolers on, on one of those regional trips down to Iowa. There were 17 students and five adults. Uh, and we also took 33 kids to Costa Rica and we had six adults That's just wild, on that man. team. And that is, so that's even if you look at those last two teams, right? 17 students and five adults, almost double that to 33 students, but only six adults. And for both of those teams, I felt that we like... While I was on the trip, I was like, we have the exact right number of adults. And it's not going to be the same for every single trip. I think that word capacity is another word that is relevant here. Yeah. Because the the quality of your leaders will determine the quantity that you need. If you have some high-functioning, high-caliber leaders on your team that are able to accommodate a lot of kids who have a lot of experience, who they are just leaders, mm -hmm. you don't need as many, for lack of a better word, chaperones on the trip. Right. For that Costa Rica trip, like we had 33 students on that team. Most, not most, probably half of them had done a missions team before. And probably half of them, or a little bit under half, were graduating seniors that were already 18, some of them even 19 years old on this team. And so for that, it was very much, okay, we do not need you know, 12 adults to go with these 33 students because of the age and the maturity of those students. It, I think that's one of the biggest things is looking at 
you know, the capacity of your leaders and then what kids are on the trip. I do not finalize how many adults or who the adults are for a team until after I know how many students and which students are on the team, because that's going to play a huge factor and make sure that these are adults that you trust. Uh, don't just take like the, the student that graduated from your ministry a year ago. Uh, that can be beneficial, uh, especially like I love taking some of those high schoolers that graduated a year or two ago, and now they're leaders in our youth ministry, have one or two of them on that regional trip. But for an international trip, you have to have some adults that you trust because in case of emergency, if I have to take a kid to the ER and I have done it, I've got to leave the rest of my students in the hands of my other adult volunteers and that are there. And I need to know that they're going to make the right calls. And you as the leader are responsible for those kids, even if you're not in the building. Right. Because the reality is if, if you come home and something terrible happens to someone's student, they're not looking to the leader in charge. That all of their students at the time, they're looking to you like, where the heck were you? Yep. And you're the one on the hook for that. So that, that, and I think you're really good. You should, I want you to touch on how you get that many adults because getting adults to go on a trip to take time off of work is a challenge. And I think you do it really well. Yeah. And there's, there's one really big thing that we do that really helps with that. And that is, I do not make our adult leaders pay for anything on these missions teams. Yep. Um, they are paying to be a part of that team with time away from their family. If they have a job that they're taking vacation days for, they are taking they are spending their vacation days to be a part of this team. In my mind, that is payment enough yep. uh, for them to be on this team. I am not also going to make them pay financially in order to be a part of this team. Yeah. Uh, if they want to, you know, still fundraise alongside the students, I'm not going to stop them. <laughs> you, but, you, you take it. You know, I have, and, and so that's, that's one of the big things is, you know, when, when you take away that hurdle and you work the cost of that leader into the cost of the students, or you work it into your youth ministry budget for the year, if you have a budget, uh, you know, that's, that's a great way to get buy-in uh, from adults in order to be on these teams and something I know you I don't I don't see it on here but doing that for yourself as well uh, yep you as the leader you are yes you're being paid by the church but at the same time like you are putting in a ton of time to organize this so whether it's baking that into the cost of the students whether whatever that is whether it's budgeting it from the get-go of the year you, it, it's good to have that understanding of I want to fundraise with my student. That That's a noble ambition. I think that's very valuable. But at the same time, you need to be focusing on so many other details of the trip rather than, for lack of a better word, spending time right. fundraising. Right. And I have, you know, fundraised alongside my students or my wife and I have just given yeah. uh, our, you know, some of our own money toward these teams. Yep. But uh, if it's if it's out of just I want to do this versus you know, the, the pressure of shoot, I've got to fundraise X amount of dollars. Uh, and eventually if you have, you know, if you're leading two teams in a summer that, or, or more then you, that, that, that adds up really, really quickly. Yep. Um, and so, okay, we've got adults, uh, we've got students. How in the world do we make all of the finances work? Uh, that is probably one of the biggest questions uh, and, and the biggest hurdles to designing your own missions team 
is is making all of the finances work. And one of the, I don't think I said this at the beginning, but one of the reasons that I love doing this myself versus going through a third party is once you're comfortable with it, there's so much more flexibility in being able to design the trip yourself. Uh, you know, you can so, sometimes if I'm going to go through a third party organization, if I find yeah. a ministry that I want to partner with, I have to go partner with them the week that the other organization picked to do that trip versus being able to partner with them any week that I want. Uh, you know, being able to stay an extra day to do more ministry or, you know, organize things, leave on a different day, whatever it is, uh, you have the flexibility to do it how you want to do it when you're the one uh, that is designing it, which is awesome. Um, okay, anyways, finances. I got off track. Uh it shouldn't surprise anybody that getting you to your destination is the most expensive part of a missions team. Uh, you know, whether that is flights or busing or vans or whatever it is, that's probably going to be the most expensive part, followed very closely behind by housing. Uh, while you are there, uh, the missionary or the organization that you're partnering with is probably going to have, uh, you know, eat per student, per night costs uh, for you being there. Uh, and so those are the two big things that you want to start with. Um, and they will fluctuate both on season and location. So absolutely. just because you went to Colorado and the flights were 400 a student and housing was 500 a student, doesn't mean you're going down the Dominican and expecting the same thing. I you hope might, not. You might, you know, like you have to go into it with an open mindset and and move maybe maybe it means because the flights are more expensive you got to find a more affordable housing to keep it in your window or whatever it is well and that's where you know that uh that maximum price window kind of comes into play like our costa rica team that we did this past year i have had my eye on that team for like three years and we haven't been able to make the finances work under two thousand dollars and so we haven't done it yeah and this summer because of covid uh, the price of the flights was lower than it had been in the past, and we were able to get that number down to eighteen fifty per person. Yeah, and perfect. it wound up working out really, really well. And and there might be some other ministry expenses too that kind of get uh, lumped in with the housing. Uh, you know, if you are doing projects while you're there, or there's uh, like a VBS that you need to uh, have some money or supplies for, uh, there might be some other ministry expenses that come up. Is food included in your housing? Do you have great to go question. out and, and, and buy food? Yep. That's a great question. Um, transportation while you're there. For example, uh, for our uh, one of our Puerto Rico tri teams, we had uh, like the ministry had a 15 passenger van. Uh, that they, or maybe it was a 12 passenger van that our team could use, but we had slightly more than that. And so instead of renting another van, we just got a rental car from the airport. Smart. And uh, I drove white knuckled around Puerto Rico in a rental car Ooh as a, I think I, uh, yeah, I think that was, I was 21, 22 at the time. That was ridiculous. But, I'm surprised you were able to do that, honestly. Uh, yeah, you can. It just, there's an added cost. Uh, to is. rent it if you're under 25 is what I found. Um, it was also all of the other leaders, adult leaders I took with me on that team were over 25. And they all, I asked them all. They were like, yeah, I do not want to do that. And I was like, you know what? It's hard for me to blame you. Yeah, right, right. I don't want to do it. <laughs> that's that's fine. I'm not going to get mad at that. Uh, but other tra there might be other transportation costs like that or, uh, or some different things. Um, 
I mentioned before, or Derek mentioned before, some neon team shirts. Mm. Those do not materialize out of nowhere. Right. You have to pay to make those to make those shirts and get them out to your team. Um, and for the record, that's not that you have to wear those every day on the trip. I'd actually advise against that. It's more so of a memento for the kids to, you know, look back and right. remember, oh, that was I, awesome. I have been on one team, our, our Panama team, where we did need to wear the same shirt every really? single day. Uh, with two caveats. One, this was from the ministry. Because what we were doing, uh, this, this couple are missionaries to Panama, and they go to schools and do like school assemblies. Sure. And so when missions teams come down and partner with them, they help them put on these assemblies, which again, a great way to partner with a missionary because they can do more with these assemblies, having a team in with them. So you are being helpful by being there, but at the same time, their team is still going to be there and and get these kids connected long-term after these assemblies. And so it was a really, really fun trip, but they had uh, their own, shirts for their ministry that they gave all of us when we got there sure and then they took them every single night and washed them so it wasn't gross <laughs> but uh that was one instance where uh, we did have to wear the team one of the team shirts but we also made our own panama shirts before the trip and like derek said for me the goal is uh, to ha- for that shirt to just be something that the kids are proud of, right? They can they see one of their friends wearing the shirt a year after the team, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I remember that. Do you remember when we played soccer with those kids, or you know, did VBS or whatever it yeah. was? Uh, oh, that was so fun." Um, you know, our youth ministry in in the room that we meet in at our church, we have all of our past missions shirts up on a wall. And again, you know, kids can see those on a Wednesday night and like, oh man, I remember what God did uh, in me on that trip. Or I remember, you know, God used me to speak life into somebody on that trip. Uh, Whatever it is, those, those shirts can be those mementos and those reminders. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, hey, let's all wear the neon shirts through the airport so that we don't get lost. Uh, but it, you know what, if that's how you want to organize it, I'm, I'm not going to stop you. That's just not my style. Yep. <laughs> you don't have anything else on that? No, nope. <laughs> no, I, I, it's dangerous territory with that one. That's fair. That's fair. Um, trip insurance, that's a thing. Uh, and, and that's something that I think is easily forgotten about. If you're going through a third party organization, they're probably going to have that covered. If you're doing it yourself, Uh, I have not done any trip insurance for a regional trip, uh, but for those international ones, it's definitely something that, that I try to do. And it's usually, you know, two, three, four dollars per person per day. It's not a huge amount, but it's always one of those peace of mind things that are a good idea. Um, I always budget per person, some sort of small additional, uh, financial gift to the ministry that we are partnering with, uh, in the cost of the missions team, it might be you know ten or twenty bucks per kid. And but when and, you have thirty three going to Costa right, Rica, you know then that winds up being a three to six hundred dollar thirty three hundred to sixty six hundred dollar gift. Thank you, <laughs> math in my head. There you go. Uh, you know, gift that you can give above and beyond. And with our teams, if our entire thirty three students raise all of that eighteen fifty. And then they still go above and beyond that. That is, again, more money that we can gift to this ministry to do more ministry, uh, which is which is always really, really cool to see students desire to go above and beyond. By the way, you had it right. 
I know. $10 to th- with 33 students is $330, not $3,300. I said 33 Or I, I thought you I said, said 330. 330 and then you said 3300 Sorry, oh. math in my head. So you I, ha- said, you I had said it right. 330 I said 330 Yeah, you did. You had it, my, that's my I'm point. I'm taking it as a win. You, you, you said it right to start, and then you corrected <laughs> yourself, and I'm telling you, you had it right in the first place. Right. Um, the other thing that, uh, is important to remember, uh, just, you know, with, with finances, especially for an international trip, again, like I said, I do not have our adult leaders pay for anything themselves. And so if you are in the airport and you think that your adults might want to eat, uh, you they know, do having, my, having some money. Eat. Yeah. They, I hope they want to eat, having some money budgeted where you can buy them lunch or, or dinner or something in the airport. Uh, if you are going to an international location, communication is important. And so I always budget to make sure that my leaders have international phone plans for the days that we are going to be gone. Some of those things, and, and some of these things y- you might only learn over time as you do missions teams, you know, stuff gets added where you're like, oh, I should make sure that I budget for that, uh, for what the missions team that we do next year. Uh, some of these things I did not have in my very first budget, but there are things that I have thought of since then that I wanted to make sure that I add. Blessing your leaders will pay dividends for you down the road. You, if, if, you, if you make a conscious effort to just bless your leaders by making sure they don't have to spend a dime on anything that yep. while they're there, they naturally will want to go on more trips. They will support you for all your future endeavors they will speak so highly of their experience that naturally you will see more leaders coming yep. and so you need to above all else like bless your leaders because they are making a huge sacrifice mm-hmm. by coming on this trip mm-hmm. with you so even even like small things of like making sure like hey lunch is on me or like i want you to call home and talk to your kids that's on me that goes so far to a person coming on your trip. Absolutely. And I don't think we talked about this uh, when we talked about our adult leaders, but uh, there's three different categories of adults that I will go to when it comes to, hey, what adults can we bring on this team with us? And the first category is always for me going to be the adults that are already volunteering in our youth ministry. Yep. Uh, the stud- the adults that have the relationships already with our students, uh, they are our adult leaders that have been there all year. If they want to come on these teams, that's the group that I go to first. Yep. Um, the second group that I'll go to is adults who have a stu- parents that have a student on the team. Sure. Uh, that's been a super cool way for parents and students to connect with each other and do ministry alongside one another. Mm-hmm. Super, super cool to see. Now, I will say there's a big caveat well, the the third category, I guess, would be just anybody else in the yeah, church right. or in the community or anybody else you can think of. Uh, but those two categories I'll go to first. But I, I want to just mention quick one thing that I will do if I am going to ask a parent of a student going on the trip to also go on the trip. The student going on the trip is more important to me yeah. than their parent going on the trip. So yep. what I will do is I will go to that student, I'll text them, I'll pull them aside on a Wednesday night, whatever. I'll go to them and I'll say, hey, I'm thinking about asking your mom or your dad to go on this trip with us. What do you think about that? And I will make sure I tell them, if you, for whatever re- I don't care what the reason is, if you would rather they not be there, then this conversation never happened. Yep. I won't ask your parent no one will ever find out that you and I had this conversation. Yeah. 
if you do want, if you are okay with it, then I'll probably ask them and, and we'll go from there. But my relationship with the student and their experience on that team is more important to me than asking their parent to go on that team. Yep. I have nothing more. I mean, yeah, I I just wanted to make sure that that I got that in there because, uh, that's, that's really, really important. Uh, is making sure that the students are comfortable. And, and it has happened before where I asked a student, hey, how do you feel about your mom or dad being on this team? And they were like, hey, you know, I I honestly, I would rather they not. Um, and, and I was like, okay, you yeah. know, I, we don't need to ask any further questions. Um, but finances add up quick and you have to pay for it all. Yep. So back to our regularly scheduled programming here. Uh, after my rant on, I like <laughs> on it. Parents. I like it. Uh, I love parents. Parents are the best. Uh, but fu- fundraising is 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 definitely huge, and you have to raise all of this money if you are going to do a missions team. And I tell our students every year the number one most effective way that I have ever seen to fundraise is support letters. Amen. They are uh, so good. I having students. Uh, send out support letters to family, to friends, to neighbors, to whoever they feel they want to send a letter out to, uh, asking them to support them financially and to support them in prayer. That is the most efficient way to raise money for a student for their missions team. What I like about support letters, I'm going to spoil what you're going to mention next. Unbelievable. That's okay. Kyle has sell pizzas or do some type one of those fundraisers. Candy bars. Those things are effective, right? Like, yep. I mean, we're in the age now of where, like, we have nieces and nephews who are, you know, hitting us up to support their school. And, like, you feel obligated to give because they're your nieces and nephews and their family. What I love about support letters is you are giving people an option to say no without, like, because you're sending yep. them out and you're not expecting a response back unless they're giving. Whereas if you go to your aunt and uncle and say, hey, we're doing a school fundraiser, would you would you consider buying, like, you feel like a piece of junk if you say no, right? But, <laughs> but when you get a letter in the mail that your student took time to write in their own words, giving you an option to do that, the ones who are going to support those students are the ones who are genuinely invested enough to go, I am going to pray for them. I am going to follow up with them. I am going to see how the trip went. It's it's no longer just a here's 20 bucks and you know leave me alone. It's right. a I'm so excited for what you're doing. Let me be a part of it, please. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are, you know, there are some other, uh, you know, we, we have, there's a company here in Minnesota called Heggie's Pizza. Yep. Uh, they do actually do a really good job with uh, some pizza fundraisers. Uh, but we've done other fundraisers where it's a group thing where, hey, we're holding this event and all of the money that we raise goes towards our missions team. Things like Pizza that, Ranch or... Right, exactly. Pizza Ranch, which I found out today. I actually looked it up. There's like 210 Pizza Ranch locations, and huh. it's all basically the middle of the United States, down to Arkansas, uh, you know, Colorado, Illinois. There's a ton of Pizza Ranches, so half of our audience, if hey, you're in a state with a Pizza Ranch, ranch right man, make it happen. Uh, and so we, But we have done Pizza Ranch fundraisers, and it's really, really effective when you have smaller numbers. Yep. But like we've done, we did a pizza ranch fundraiser where we had 15 kids and we raised it. We raised a thousand dollars, which was awesome, but that's like 60 bucks a kid. And for an entire evening, if they have a job, they could just work that job and make the same amount of money or more, uh, you know, rather than this big group fundraiser. And the more students that you have involved, like we had 50 kids on our two teams this year. 
it gets harder and harder and less efficient to do group fundraisers. Something I like to tell all of my students and their parents, not everyone listened to me with our <laughs> most recent team, but I like to have students have some skin in the game. Yeah. I like them to personally throw in some form of money that is going to be intentional because whether it's they have to go mow the lawn and make 20 bucks or whether it's, man, they're bussing tables and so they throw their tips in for their mission trip, when they have to put their own money into it, you naturally get out of something what you put into it. And so if you are if you are investing of your own money, you're naturally going to be more invested into your trip. Right. Support letters are going to be the number one most efficient way to fundraise. Just having your own job is probably going to be number, number two, 100%. You know, where, where you can you can just work and raise the money yourself. You've got if you've got 6 months from January to June to raise the money, having your own job, I don't know what the math is, but it would not be that difficult. Correct. To to work, you know, 15 hours a week, 20 hours a week and and earn enough money for And like that. I said, when when you are doing your job in that case, you're thinking about what this is going towards and it really kind of puts you in that mindset of I cannot wait to go do this. Right. And and so you know, that's there. There's a lot of different ways to fundraise. Those are some of the ones that that I would definitely encourage you to uh, do. And and then if you if you can, you know, do some group fundraisers that can be effective. Uh, you know, we do a talent show every year where adults can buy tickets to vote with. Uh, you know, it's just a, you buy spend one dollar, you get one ticket, and that equals one vote. Honestly, that we don't do that pure. It's more entertaining. You know, we don't really push the fundraising side of it. We don't make a ton of money doing that, but it's a really, really fun thing. Yeah. And if we wanted to put way more work into it, we could probably make way more money with it. Sure. So uh, if that's somebody out there is like, oh, that's a really good idea. I'm going to take it, run with it, go for it. I've seen spaghetti dinners work really well or, or different things where your youth missions team can be like the servers for the evening, give parents a date night. Some of your kids can uh, provide childcare. Uh, while their parents are are on this date night, you can do something like that as well. That's a great idea. And like Derek said, you know, students having skin in the game uh, require a deposit from your students when they sign up, uh, because that's before they get a chance to fundraise. And so that's probably either coming out of mom and dad's pocket or it's coming out of the kids' pocket. And that's that's a great way to uh, get that initial investment. Where okay, this is on me now. Well, and make make this is a. Bobby Loke and I went through AIM, so this was his his genius revelation. But make the deposit something that protects you if you yep. have to cancel. Because yep. like I said, four of my students had to back out. And so that means we're having to cancel with the airlines, the pre-trip materials of the books. and all, We're going to get to all that in a second. That all costs money too. And so your deposit covers your butt. So if kids have to back out for whatever reason, even mm -hmm. if it's completely justified, you're not sitting there with a huge deficit in your budget. You can still come out even if you have to cancel that. Right. Student. And, and you can think about, uh, putting, you know, I've, I've seen youth pastors in the past do it where, you know, when, when they sign up for the trip, they are signing something that says, you know, I'm on the hook for the full amount. Yep. Uh, you know, this deposit signifies that I am, you know, I am on the hook for the entire 1850 or whatever it is. Yep in order to be a part of this trip. And yep. and I tell our students, like, if you do not have that whole eighteen fifty raised, or you know, like if I if I raise two thousand, that's hundred and fifty dollars, I could say, hey, take the overage and put it towards Derek's, you know, cost. Yeah. Uh, but if if 
not everybody has that 1850 raised by the time we're supposed to get on that plane, then, you know, unless there's special circumstances, then you're not getting on that plane. Correct. And so, because like Derek said, you've got to protect your own budget mm-hmm. as well. And so that's, uh, that's really important, but here's the deal. We have so much more that we want to talk about when it comes to youth missions, but we are going to go ahead and stop here and go to part two next week for this uh, for this episode of uh, Youth Missions. Um, we want to encourage you guys uh, again. If you want to be like good friend of the show Dan and uh, and have a question featured on uh, one of our episodes, uh, go ahead send us an email at how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, get notified every Thursday when our episode drops. Uh, and, and we would love to just hear from you guys. Uh, if you guys have any questions about youth missions, if you have questions about youth ministry, we would love to answer those for you. Kyle, I've got to go buy a video camera for our new podcast setup. Goodbye. Goodbye.